This is the Empowered Educational Conversations with Elena Christina podcast. We are two educators who have worked in over seven different school districts and want to see change. We are here for our school leaders who have the desire to implement radical changes to fight the destructive nature of racism and injustice. This is a safe space for passionate school leaders and aspiring school leaders to listen in as we voice our concerns, laugh at our mistakes, and strategize ways to overcome adversity as educators, all while keeping it real. Join us as we share our experience along with other important voices in the field. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Aline and Christina, where we seek to build community and support one another in this work. While you're there, share this with a friend and colleague and rate and review this podcast so we could get this to even more school leaders who want to do this work. All right, let's get to this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Educational Conversations podcast with Elena Cristina, episode 71. I'm Elaine, co-host of, co-host of this podcast. I've been in education for 17 years as a former school counselor and high school assistant principal. I currently coach K-12 school leaders and revolutionizing the K-12 public school system. It's just me today. Um, Christina and I could not um, get our schedules straight. And that just tells you how things are going for us right now. Um, it is that time of school year where there is just so much going on and the break could not come fast enough. So, um, we have been very busy with all the amazing work that we're trying to accomplish in our school districts, um, while also being full, like full-time moms and, um, just trying to engage in any single type of self-care that we can engage in to kind of keep us together. Um, So we will be having an additional episode coming out next week. Usually we have episodes every other week, but we wanted to take some time to address what is happening in Gaza with Palestine and Israel. So we will be releasing an additional episode next week outside of our regular scheduled um, podcasts so that we can speak more on that from the experience that we're having in our school districts, what we're seeing around us, and also just what we encourage school leaders to engage in when understanding the situation and knowing um, how to approach this at your school sites. So stay tuned for that. But this episode, I'm really excited about. We have an amazing guest that really speaks on how we can approach our role with love. Um, And I'm excited to share this episode with you all. We have an amazing guest. So let's jump right on in and we'll see. We'll talk again soon. Take care. Really excited about our guest tonight. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about her uh, before we get into the interview. So, as a Mexican American raised in Northeast Los Angeles, our next guest has committed eleven plus years of service to influence the landscape and trajectory of underserved students and families across the country. 
Her vision is anchored in the belief that all students deserve to access a culturally and linguistically sustaining education that loves them. She has coached, evaluated, and trained 300 plus educators across multiple grade levels, content areas, and school models all over the nation. And in addition to coaching, she is currently a founding principal of the Seed School in, Lo in Los Angeles County and an adjunct professor at the Alder Graduate School of Education. We are honored and excited to have a collaborative conversation with our guest, Dr. Natalie Mejia. Thanks for joining us. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> Thank you both for having me here. We are so, so, so excited. Yes. So I'm, we're going to jump straight on into that very first question that we love to hear about. So, Natalie, is it okay if I call you Natalie? It is. Okay. Um, what's your educational journey that got to where you are today? Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a long journey, right? How much time we got? You said, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but I think when I think about, you know, where I'm at today and, and what really propelled me to be here, I think it starts obviously in my childhood, really thinking about the opportunities that were afforded to me or not afforded to me uh, to be able to be in the position I'm, I'm in today. And for me, I come from a, a household that most people, you know, when they meet me, they're like, oh, Dr. Mejia, you know, you're so X, Y, Z, you're, you know, very A-type personality. And so I think that with those types of characteristics, there's assumptions made about what my journey may be um, or what opportunities I had to get here. And I, and I actually take a lot of pride in being from the hood, from the neighborhood, um, being a first-generation Latina, um, proud parents, you know, uh, my parents come from Mexico and take a lot of pride in knowing that in their journey to um, the United States. My mom was actually born here in the United States. So I always like to say I'm like 1.5, uh, <laughs> 1.5 first gen, uh, but I was the first in my family to graduate high school, go on to college and therefore um, move into a master's and then a doctorate. And so when I think about, you know, what really inspired me to get here, I think a lot about those moments where I really wish my parents were a lot more engaged in my educational experience. I wish they had more opportunity to really be able to to be to be involved, right? And I think a lot about when I was a kid, I used to think like, oh, my mom is really like into us being at school. And now I understand it was because she had to work. And it really was a form of making sure that her kids were fed, had an opportunity to be with safe adults that were taking care of them. And then it also exposed us to different opportunities that maybe her paycheck wasn't able to to afford right and now I think back to like those days are really the opportunities that allowed me because through that I gained mentors through that I gained um, hands-on experiences in the classroom outside the classroom was able to go on various field trips my mom was a big advocate of like whatever you could do this free do it and so because of that I went like I said I, I traveled in the United States outside of the United States with different opportunities to the school uh, I took on honors courses and different opportunities from my K-12 experience that really encouraged and inspired me to go on to college and then be on this pathway. And I specifically became an educator because um, I was in between social work and education. And I got the chance to become a part of Teach for America. And I uh, was like, okay, in between going to Columbia for grad school uh, and paying $80,000 in tuition, room and board, or I could, well, I wasn't good. I wasn't offered 80000 but I was like, oh, I could make a paycheck. And so it really came down to like um, giving myself an opportunity to earn some money while going to school, 
uh, with that my master's at Johns Hopkins and being able to be in the classroom with children, uh, which I really love and value. And so fast forward now, almost 13 years later, 14 years later, serving as principal. And I'm really happy to be in this position. I have a lot of love and pride um, of where I'm currently at in my career. And I think it's a great privilege because I have the power and the ability to really create safe environments for kids and not just for kids, but the adults in the space and our parents. And so I think there's a lot of moments in my life that got, led me here, but I think ultimately it just comes down to childhood and really thinking about what did my education provide me in particular for parents who maybe don't have the fiscal resources or the time to, to really um, like uh, pave those pathways for kids. I really like what you just said about like really one understanding the value placed on education. A lot of reasons being that, you know, this was a place that you could be at or my mom had to work. Um, and so taking advantage of the experiences that were offered through your school um, or through schooling, as it may be, you know, even any type of program or internship. And I think, you know, that also kind of exposed you to what is, available and even thinking like okay again like I'm in school I'm in this really expensive university and Teach for America afforded me the opportunity to be able to one experience teaching but also get paid while I'm going to this really expensive school and I, I so I really appreciated you know you highlighting that from your childhood around how much education really opened up your your world to different opportunities in so many ways because it had to there were no other options at that point yeah yeah and um it's always interesting when people learn more about my story I often tell the story of my brother and and how different his life trajectory was um and it kind of goes into our next question I know we're going to be talking about equity so when I think about the experiences that I had um as a Latina cisgender female right um and my brother cisgender male um but when we think about you know what privileges i had as a female right like part of this is like the cultura uh i needed more protection i needed more guidance i needed you know uh, and that was afforded to me versus my brother as a young man um being expected to know how to navigate these things right and navigate life and he ended up getting locked up by the time he was in high school and so that really had a profound impact in who I wanted to serve and how I wanted to serve, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot about this equity piece around like, if my brother would have gotten the support that he needed in and out of the classroom, um, right. how different could his life be, right? If someone mm -hmm. would have intervened and would have seen him more than what he was presenting, right? The behaviors, like how different would his life trajectory be? And even now, right? Like he, he you mm -hmm. know, has been in and out of the system multiple times. And so I see the impact that that has on him and his children and, and the limitations it can place, right? Because we know that once you're in your system, you lose certain privileges in society, right? From yeah. the right to vote to different access points. And I think for me, when I think about um, the fact that people as a, you know, maybe because I am a girl or a female, they were like, oh, she needs more handholding. She needs more support. So like there was privilege mm -hmm. in that. And I, I always wonder just how different life could have been if someone would have afforded that to my brother um, mm -hmm. and where he could be now. Yeah. Yeah. Natalie, as I like from the jump, like just listening to you from the beginning, I'm just like, oh, like so many things you said, like <laughs> hella hit home, like already when you like, 
well, I appreciated that you started off like focusing on your family and, and your parents, because usually with this question, a lot of our guests touch on family, um, but they tend to focus on that one or two um, inspirational teachers um, that that sparked their interest or that motivated them or influenced them. But then we tend to forget, like, it's not just teachers it's it's our family and our um and our um other community members um particularly our parents and it's funny that you said that you know your mom you feel me is from like she was born and raised here and that's the same thing with both me and Aline like our our moms were Amer our American born and American raised and then our dads um uh, they, they migrated here. So that's, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> and like the last point that I want to say where I was just like, yes, 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 is just the commonality of the, the cultural values and it particularly like within the Filipino community has us too, like, yes, I mean, our education was important in my family, mm -hmm. but my parents were, like, in a nutshell, they're definitely more strict with me. They, they, they definitely had higher expectations for me um probably you know what I'm saying check my homework a little bit more definitely pushed me a little bit more um and it's not absolutely it's not because they loved me more and you know I would always like to think that I'm the favorite child I was just the baby <laughs> as well as the girl but yeah I always wonder about that too right it's like hmm I wonder and by the way my brother's he's doing well but you know what I'm saying like Everyone has a different journey when it comes to adulthood. Um, but I, yeah, I've always been curious about that. And like that being able to have that influence, whether it is a parent or it is a teacher or it is a counselor, like what, like how things would be different. And like Aline and I, we've talked about this before in previous podcasts where like she and I went to the same school. She and I had the same counselor, but yet we had different, ex we had different experiences. So, I mean, that's the same thing with parenting, right? And like, yeah. it's like, we have the same parents, but at the same time, we have different experiences too. And so just wondering, like, you know, that wonder of like, huh, I wonder, I wonder if. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've thought a lot about this, right? Because I think, again, right, I have a doctorate. I was able to be successful within this domain, right, of, of life. And, and why wasn't that afforded to my brother? And, and I, I think the more I think about this, because, again, grew up with same household, same family, same parents, right, same values. I mean, I think that's what leads me to believe, right? Like there's a belief around how we uh, quote unquote support young girls or control young girls, right? Depending on your parents' archetype or style of parenting. And I, I thought a lot about how our, our, within the Latino culture in particular, right? What does it mean to be a, a young woman of color and how I was um, 
you know, socialized uh, into being and how I even even now how that shows up in my leadership, right? I actually ended up writing my whole dissertation on leadership, in particular for Latina women and really thinking about, uh, I wrote about um, Latinas in the principal seat and how our principalship is influenced by our cultural values. And then how we then lead, right, from a servant um, a servant mind frame or a framework and thinking about then how does that show up in our journey to social justice and equity, right? And I think for me, I, I think these are all the um, the things that are not necessarily told, right? I'm not told, oh, because you're a girl, we have to do X, Y, Z, but it just happened. I was socialized that way. And so I, I learned and I, I became more aware as I got older and understanding that there was an expectation for me. And with that came the responsibility, right, to pave to pave the way for my younger sister who was also in education and did teach for America and also has her master's keep telling her to go get her doctor she won't do it but she uh you know there was an expectation for us as, as women um in what that meant and it's interesting enough because it's also like machismo played a role in that too and so it's like you can be successful to a certain extent and then thinking about how do we then find husbands or significant others or partners to like you know, validate us. And it was like, huh. <laughs> it was, it's a very interesting pathway as I think about, again, how culture plays a role in all this. But when I think about my journey within education, I do believe that because I was that A type student or that, you know, the good girl, quote unquote, the student who always did the right thing, the student who followed directions, right. Um, that afforded me different opportunities in a way that some other students, um, presently don't have right because they may push back or they're more vocal or you know what they lead with their emotions and and some people don't know how to how to how to engage and so therefore they're they just lose out and that's why I'm a principal because I think like well we got to change that <laughs> I believe that all communication or all behaviors a form of communication my responsibility is to figure out how do I then like interpret that and then how do I support them right whether it's supporting my staff to directly work with the student in or out of the classroom or it's working one-on-one -on -one with the student and in a special advisory or in a one-on-one -on -one space or working in partnership with the families. You know, something I have offered this year, I had a situation, and again, I'm at a boarding school, so I have the gift of time, where I had a student who was really struggling with her father and there was just zero communication. And the dad was very adamant in letting me know that this is who the child was and this is just the only way this person was gonna be. And so I knew very early on in that, that interesting interaction that like, I have to create a space for them to see each other as, in their full humanity and try to figure out how do I support as a principal. And so I invited him to dinner and was like, hey, like at the school, right? Do you want to come and join us for dinner? And I brought, you know, the, his daughter along and we just played a game. We just played like this memory game and they just started laughing and having a good time. And then I said, you know, it'd be great if you came back next week, maybe but this time, maybe you can bring some, something, a favorite dish of yours. So he brought some tacos and some horchata. And then the next time it was just the three of us and we had a conversation around his childhood. I said, you know, I don't know you. I want to get to know more about you. Where did you grow up? And how, how was that experience for you? What did, what role did education play for you? And he's he's an immigrant and he shared that, you know, he didn't really get an opportunity to go and actually learn. And so that's why it's so important for him. And he knows that he has to be rigid in order for his daughter to get there, right? And so then like, the next year they came came back the next two weeks and we had another dinner and, and every two weeks we just kept adding an additional question playing a different game by the end of it I remember him telling me he called me he just said Dr. Mejia like you've done more for me and my daughter than the social worker has done in the last two years that we've been with her just playing with her allowing me to understand that she's growing and she's evolving and she has different needs and her learning more about me like we're relating better 
Um, and I think that's a beautiful story, right, that I love to share because when you're able to connect with people and you just create an opportunity for people to talk like and share humanity, right, whether you're an adult or a child, you can see opportunities for people to connect and then just find where, where are we more similar than we are different. Um, and the student's no longer with us, unfortunately. She's transferred to a different high school, but I still think of like what a gift it was to be able to have that in my first year of principalship where I was able to create those types of experiences for for them to to heal right through their relationship and and to to strengthen their communication yeah that's a beautiful story which also makes me want to know more about your school so like your principal the founding principal of this school boarding school in LA so tell us a little bit more kind of like about your school um and also because you you brought this up and we do want to talk about like equity and so tell us more about you know your school and also for you um how what it means to be equity focused you know as a as a leader of this you know new school as you founded so um. yeah so I have the privilege of being the founding principal at the C school of Los Angeles County we are the first public boarding school in the state of California there are only four public boarding schools that exist in all across America and so for me, I first heard of the SEED Network when I was a teacher in Baltimore, Maryland. That's where I started my career. And I remember we lost some of our students, right, um, because they were going to this public boarding school. And I remember parents saying, like, does this exist? Is this real? They offer X, Y, Z. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's go check it out, right? Checked out their website. And I remember thinking, like, what an interesting, like, what an interesting concept, right? Because we know boarding school historically, they have, a, right, the history, right, of, um of stripping people of their identity, of really creating uh, a certain type of person, right, to exist in society. And so when I think of our children, children of color, who I proudly serve and our families, I think of this idea of like, oh, what I send someone to a boarding school knowing what I know. And I remember just really thinking about that, you know, in that moment. Um, and then just keeping up with my students as they gave that school an opportunity and they really loved it and valued it. And now flash forward what 13 years later I hear about the seed school being opened here in Los Angeles and I'm like oh this might be a great opportunity for me to inquire and learn more about the opportunity and so went in met with the head of school and and really fell in love with his vision and everything that he was sharing with me about what he wanted to create and so I ended up applying to the school um, and, and obviously was was given the position. So now that I'm here, I think a lot about the opportunities that we offer for our students. So we are a STEM school. We are currently founding um, in our second year, right? We kick off next week and we have ninth grade and we have 10th grade. And so every year we'll admit a new ninth grade class. So I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited. Uh, so this we're meeting about over 100 ninth graders are coming in next week. And we have our founding students who remained with us. Um, we only, only like three or four transitioned out. So it's, I think a huge success when you think about retention, both for staff and for students. And so the seed school is a STEM school. We partner with Metro where our students get access to learning about different types of engineering, project management. Um, they even get to present to the CEO of Metro where they get to, they had to create like, um, this is different modules, right? Different projects. They create their own podcasts. They learn how to run a budget. We got to go and see the unveiling of the new Metro rail that's going to connect uh, to the LAX airport where they actually got to walk the railway, meet the engineers and ask their questions. They had to design a Metro station that was inclusive of different physical mo um, mobilities or immobili immobility. 
they had to think through in a natural disaster, how would they communicate and be able to express that the, the, you know, the lines are down. And it was just such a beautiful process to see our kids engaging in project-based learning and thinking through um, with the engineers, how do you problem solve through that? And so I love that a part of our partnership, right? Because it allows my, our students to be able to speak um, and share their ideas and think through concretely, like, yeah, if I want to be engineer, an engineer, like, what do they actually do? And how do I take those pathways? Because they have multiple conversations with them. They see them two times a week, and they're with us for the next four years. So I'm excited. They also get a mentor through this experience. So really great opportunities. I really value that relationship. In addition to the Metro partnership, we, of course, partner with different organizations that come onto our campus and create clubs at our school. Um, so you have, when people ask, like, how does a boarding school work? I usually say, think of our school in three teams. The first team is like your overnight team that works with their children or really make sure that they're sleeping <laughs> from midnight till about 8.30. They make sure they're in bed, that they're safe. They wake up, they shower, they brush their teeth, they get dressed, and then they go have breakfast. Then we come on as the instructional team. This is your more traditional schooling, right? Where it's like from 8.30 to four o'clock, they're in their classrooms. We offer eight different courses. They go to their classes. Uh, we have, you know, nutrition, lunch, the more traditional high school experience. And then we have our student life team that is there from three to midnight. So at four o'clock when kids dismiss, they pick them up from wherever the designated space is. And then kids go into student life programming, which includes tutoring, it includes enrichment clubs, it includes remediation clubs, it includes metro seminar, it includes um, different sparks activities that they participate from singing to dance to music creation to like uh, sports, right? We also, we just launched... I think we're uh, have like seven seven sports that are launching actually today. Our girls' football team was playing, um, so different sports that they can participate and engage in. And they do that. They have dinner. They come back. They shower. They go to the tutorials or tutorials and then shower. And then it's lights out at ten o'clock, or at least staying in your room because we know teenagers they don't always do lights off, but they're in their rooms and they're safe. And then they wake up and do it again. And that's what we do Monday through Friday. And um, it's been such an interesting experience for me to not just be a principal, but to serve like more like a mother figure or a guardian figure, depending on our students' um, backgrounds and just being that support person. So like from loving them through like, I have nightmares and I'm struggling, I can't sleep to like, I really miss my parents and I want to go home to like, you know, um, I'm happy to be here because my home environment isn't the safest. And now I know I have a designated safe space to sleep every night. And so I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot in this experience. I've cried a lot. Um, this is a, it's a big role. It's a great responsibility. And I am someone who loves and values the trust from parents, right? So like I carry it even with mass weight, right? Like more than as to really try to be better. Um, and so when I think about being equity focused as a leader, I think about what is it that the kids need? What are the What is the data showing me that the needs are, right? From social emotional needs to academic needs to like, just straight up like fiscal needs some of our parents just need support paying bills and thinking through and of course um, we are in um, a public school so really thinking about how do we bridge and build those community partnerships to help support us so we are expanding each year uh, this year we actually brought a community liaison who will be working with us when our parents are in crisis right like whether you're experiencing um, um, houselessness in the moment or you just are facing a immigration um, something with your immigration status or you just quite frankly, are just struggling emotionally, right? So we run in a community liaison person. We partnered last year with someone who works with our, she's an AMFT who actually comes and does monthly seminars with our parents to help them, like what are some de-escalation strategies? 
how do you understand when you're feeling triggered? How do you respond when you're feeling triggered or activated, right? Um, she does this whole, a whole bunch of different workshops. She just hosts one, house posted one last week on the transition from middle school to high school and then also from the transition from a public public traditional school to a boarding school and what does that look like um, and so I love that we're creating these spaces because it really is a holistic approach to serving our children and seeing that it's not just what we can control uh, but also like how do we bring in the family right because we know that they love them and they love their children and, and it could be just a an opportunity for them to partner with us and when you think of high schools in particular when I think about being equity focused, I think about how do we create the conditions to invite families in to partner with us to serve their children in and out of the classroom? Because I've, I've served at a high school before as an assistant principal. And it was um, honestly really sad and sad for me to see like how many parents didn't show up to parent conferences, how many of them were so just like so uninvolved, even at the ninth grade. And I'm just like, no, this is when our kids need us the most, right? Like they're making a lot of these life decisions and, and, and we want you to be a part of it. So equity for me is ensuring that kids get what they need every single day. It's also ensuring that my staff gets what they need to the best of my ability within the means that I'm provided, right? Fiscal means that I have, the human capital that I have access to, the development that I'm able to offer, right? Because I also know I'm only one woman. <laughs> and I had to learn that the hard way in year one when I was so exhausted because I was just trying to do and be everything, right? Um, and I think this year I'm trying my best to build capacity to remind myself that I am just, you know, one person and I have to, I have to bring others in and help allow them to, to help each other. And to also like, just honestly shed light to the expertise that they have to offer and the skill sets that they bring. And it's been a lot more calmer for me lately. Like I feel very calm going into the new school year because I learned last year that no matter what happens, I'm very lucky to be a part of a team. And one way or another, we're going to find the solutions because we love our kids. And so when I think about, you know, you read my bio, I'm very intentional in using the word love because I think it's important to like, yes, create a rigorous, culturally responsive education, educational experience, but oh, it has to have love. Like it has to be rooted in love, right? Like if I lead with love, I feel like my teachers will teach from a place of love and the kids will receive love. And when I think about healing and wellness, I think like that's what we need in schools because we know that for many years um, that may hasn't been the case and especially coming out of COVID like we're rebuilding relationships with kids and one of the things that I tell my staff all the time is like uh, safety isn't just a physical safety it's like a psychological safety and commitment and it's our responsibility to figure out how do we create that psychological safety for our children and also how do I as an administrator create that for you because you're charged with the responsibility of doing that for system for our students right within your classroom so it's a lot of work, but I love it. <laughs> and I'm I'm just happy to be a part of school that believes in, in, in equity, right? That believes that we respond to students' needs as they come up, that understands that the allocation of resources will differ. And that's okay, because we're responding to the individual needs of our students. Okay, first of all, I got a comment. And then <laughs> I do have um, a question. But my comment is like, I'm just, thank you for saying that. Like, okay like an equity practice is leveraging your folks, mm -hmm. right? And using the expertise because it, it, it doesn't matter. Like we could have been the bomb ass teachers, counselors. Yeah, I mean, all three of us got our master's and doctorate, but we're not experts at everything. Mm -hmm. And there's only so much we could do. And- yeah. 
we got to leverage our people mm -hmm. or else we're just, we're taking like, we're like disempowering ourselves. We're leading our life to burnout. And then the students and the staff aren't getting their needs met because there's someone else that could be meeting their needs better than us. So like really identifying, uh, identifying your people, acknowledging their strength and skills and doing that shared leadership. So that was the first thing I want to say. Second thing I wanted to say was I was super excited for this interview because as soon as I read that you were, you are a principal at a boarding school, like I just had heck of questions. Like, <laughs> yeah, I have like a lot of assumptions. Like the mm -hmm. first thing that comes to mind is like dead poet society. Like, oh, the teachers must live there and the, principal walks around to make sure not checks to make sure all the lights are off by a certain time and so thank you for sharing like I I really what really hit me were the three mm -hmm. teams mm -hmm. so I mean and this is a clarifying question now so what you're saying is like with the three teams are you specifically in charge are you the point person for the three teams or are you just are you is your main responsibility as the instructional leader from eight to three does yeah. that make sense yeah it does okay. i think okay. contractually right contractually i am the instructional leader from eight to three contractually right and and then there's natalie the way that she leads <laughs> and how she takes up space in the world right and that's that um I am the support person, right? As a principal, there's a form of comfort and safety that comes with me being on campus, right? Parents feel secure knowing that I lived there and was able to support their children if they got sick in the middle of the night or if our staff needed help, right? I also think I brought that comfort for my staff, living there and being able to support them when things came up, right? Uh, especially when our students had suicide ideations, right? That's, that's a very um, tough place to be in. And unless you've had the proper training, like, they really valued me being there. So like contractually, yes, I am from eight to four. That is who I manage. It's my instructional team. Now, how I show up in the world and how I lead, I definitely um, extend myself a lot more than that. And I think, I know it's going to go into our next question of like, what do you do for self-care? Like, I think that's where I struggled, right? Because I start, had to figure out I'm working from five to midnight because I love the school. I love the kids. And then I also, I'm like, I'm married. My husband and I are living in a dorm. <laughs> and I'm always working so where do I find that balance um so yes we have what is called in our school the head of school he is ultimately the one who oversees all of everything right in our school uh then you have the principal and you have your director of student life and so the three of us essentially um work together to ensure that all all the teams are are cared for and have what they need but ultimately it is our head of school uh who's who's responsible for for the whole entire organization I work in partnership with him and our director of student life to ensure that uh, not just the instructional team is, is getting supported, but all of us, because the other piece too, right, we know is that parents know the role of a principal. They don't know what a director of student life is. And uh, while my colleague is great and I love him, he's one of my closest friends at the school, right? Um, I know that again, when parents think of a school, they're like the principal, I wanna talk to the principal, I want the principal. So you'll see me kind of merging in between both programs in the night and the morning and supporting, of course, with always with permission from my colleagues, because I do believe in making sure that 
power to share and own, right? And that like, I'm not overstepping. So like, it's a partnership that we work together. And sometimes again, because the teams overlap and situations from the evening go into the day, right? Or if there's a problem, maybe they had a fight the night before and then the kids are still feeling it in the morning. We have, there's so much communication that has to happen. So uh, all of our teams work with each other. We all communicate and we're all on the group meeting, making sure that we're com in communication and it's a shared partnership between really all the teams, right? Because we're all seed faculty and staff. Yeah. So you live there, Natalie, like you are there, you're living at the school. I did. I did live my first oh, did. year. I did. Okay. I did make the choice to move out this year. And I think again, okay. going into our next question of like, how do you care, self-care? So I was married during, I got married during COVID. So I'm just celebrating my two-year anniversary. Okay, and I congrats. remember when, gracias, gracias. When I got the job, I told my husband like, hey, you know, I'm going to be moving out <laughs> to a dorm. I don't expect you to come with me, but I just got hired the principal position and I, I want to live there because I know what a difference it would make to me and to the kids. Um, and I remember feeling like, I can't ask my husband to give up our, our kitchen and our bathroom to go live in a little dorm. Um, which he did, he grace, you know, graciously did. And, and we did that together. No kitchen, y'all. Like, this is like a standard dorm. This is not. Hey, yo, cost of living. Uh, I would be more than happy to live in the dorm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it comes at a price for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you save your money on rent for sure. Right. And we are, we are working to buy a home, which we just purchased our first, you know, our first property. We have a duplex and so we have two, two properties. Um, and like, it did give me an opportunity to save. And I'm very thankful for that. It also gave me an insight to how the student life functions and how do we support students in the evening. And then the importance of having um, and training and developing our all, all of our staff, not just our instructional staff on SEL, trauma-informed practices or brain-based approaches and making sure that they have the proper training for mental health and awareness. Um, so I, I really see like our founding year is such a pivotal year. But then I, I also started thinking about you know, I take care, take care of others so much that I wasn't, you know, I'm very lucky that my marriage was able to sustain itself because my partner is very supportive. But I think back to that year of like, I'm like, wow, well, when I think about this year, all I think about are the kids and the school. And I had to get real, right? I talked to a mentor of mine and I have several mentors who I aspire to become a superintendent. And I'm like, how do you navigate that as you move into higher levels of position of leadership? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you have to set those boundaries, right? And I was like, yeah, I definitely had no boundaries last year. I was just like, eh, I'm everywhere. I'm going to help um, whenever they needed me. And sometimes, again, you're at a boarding school. So I was with kids till midnight. There's days where I was with kids till later than midnight, right? Because crisis come up. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, I, I talked to my husband. We had a goal of getting pregnant last year. That goal went out the window. Did not happen <laughs> at all. <laughs> at all. Right? And then I, I said, you know what, babe? Like, like, where are we as husband and wife, right? As this couple who's committed their lives to each other. And what are our goals? Because I know that I, I don't think I have really honored that. And mm -hmm. he's like, you know, I still want kids. And, uh, you know, I support you, though, no matter what you need to do. And, and I said, nope, like, let's buy a house. Let's get off campus. Because otherwise, I, I can see another year of this. Honestly, yeah. I can see another four to five years of this is just because I love the work that I do. I feel like I'm privileged to do it. So it doesn't bother me to give like my time. It doesn't. And so, but I also know that's not fair. Right. And I, I did some research on the divorce rate for principals <laughs> and it's really high because we know the role consumes us. And so made a commitment to honoring also Natalie, like as the mm -hmm. individual, as the woman that I am, 
um, and, and cherishing my husband. And so we bought a duplex, which I'm super happy about. It's 10 minutes from the school. So I'm still close enough and in proximity. If there's but an emergency. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but also like boundaries and yeah. able to come home and, and decompress and not always be on. Right. Um, and it's been. And cook your own food. Been, and cook, yeah, yeah, because we, we were making in the air fryer. So I don't cook. So that's how I survived. My husband does all the cooking and he did wonderful meals and the like amazing, delicious meals in the air fryer. But I know he missed mm-hmm. being able to have like a barbecue and have people over, right? Because we're in a dorm and then there's rules, expectations. Yeah. Like you can't, certain expectations because you're with other children. Like you can't mm-hmm. have certain people over and all these things. So there's a lot of restrictions, of course, due to safety reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's like pieces of your life that are missing. And I was actually checking, checking in with my mentor today. She said, what do you value most now that you're in your house? I said, honestly, the f- I missed having a couch. Like we had, all we had was the bed, our bed and his desk and a little place for the air fryer in our mini fridge. So I'm like, I miss having a living room. I miss having a couch. I miss being able to eat at a table. Like it was, I was sitting on the floor for a year eating my meals, mm-hmm. right? And I'm the principal of the school and it's like, and, yeah. and the work was heavy. So like there were pieces that like, yes, I valued in terms of saving um, and I'm very thankful and there's pieces that mm-hmm. I'm like, I love being able to be home and not, you know, when I'm going to throw the, my trash out at eight, no one's like, Hey, Dr. Mejia, you have a minute. It's like, mm-hmm. I can take that off, be at home and take okay. care of myself. I, I take it back. <laughs> I, I didn't realize it was a dorm dorm. Oh yeah. It's a dorm dorm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 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 What an experience. Yeah. First of all, I mean, I, I, I want to, you know, keep my comments and stuff based uh, on education but I feel like man this is like relationship goals yeah <laughs> you know what I think when I think about uh burnouts and when I think about these things I actually do think a lot about and I'm an uh, I'm a wellness coach so I actually just finished coaching right before I came onto this the podcast right I had two clients that we were talking about the different domains in which we need to um you know, really think through like connection, compassion, agency, and our purpose. Um, And when we think about those different domains, how do we show up in those spaces? And those are both in the classroom and out of the classroom. And I am very fortunate. I'm actually very thankful to have a relationship, uh, be in a relationship that allows me to, to be unapologetic about the fact that I love what I do. And he knows that, right? He knew that marrying me, he knew that dating with me, we've been together almost for a decade now. Like he knows, like my wife is the type of woman who will like, if there's a hundred dollars in our account and there's a family in need, he already knows 80 of it is going to go to them. And he's okay with that. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's, and I'm thankful for that because I don't think I could lead this school otherwise. Yeah. Um, because it is very demanding. And there's so many students that we get that have a lot of mental, uh, mental health needs, um, again, like academic needs, social emotional learning needs, right? There's so many needs there. Um, and then that's the role that I sit in, right? And I, I'm thankful for that because, yeah, I don't know where I would be without that support, for sure. That's a, that's an important part to highlight that I don't think enough of us talk about when it comes to being educational leaders. And especially, I would say, especially for educate, like with um, educators, educational leaders that are women, Mm-hmm. Um, because there's also, like you said, even just those, those, like, I don't know, those norms and the things that were put on us, um, growing up. And then yeah. also we're now in these positions of leadership 
running a school on like doing work that we care about so much and that we're super invested in. But then there's this like, you know, if we're in a relationship, there's this other like expectation of how do I show up and, you know, be this partner with needing someone that's going to understand both roles and be supportive of aspirations of like, the work of, you know, the commitment, the investment, all these things. And I think it's just so important because like you mentioned earlier around like the divorce rate, like that's real. I mean, yeah. I think that like we we don't talk about that enough, which is why, you know, hearing you say that, like you mentioned a few things about self-care and I'd be curious to see if there's anything more that you would add. But um, I mean, just, yeah, like having that support, not just from your partner, but from others, like in, mentorship um mm -hmm. really seeking that guidance from others but then having someone that you can you know rely on in your personal life that's going to like cheer you on and not feel make you feel like bad or judge the work that you're doing yeah i'm a believer that it takes a village right for our children it also takes a village for us as adults and mm -hmm. um I'm very fortunate to have people in my life that are have either been in the positions I've been in or have the positions that I aspire to get to and that they're willing to share those experiences, right? Like from the professional lens. And I also have like my mom, right? My family who mm -hmm. is willing to like, I tell my mom, she loves the crickets. I'm like, mom, we need shirts. We're welcome. You know, coming back to school, she'll like, how many do you need? I'm like 70. I go buy them. She gets it done. Right. Um, I also have like my sister who's willing to share her classroom resources because she's a math teacher and she can share with me different things that she's used. Right. I have my husband who has nothing to nothing to do with an education, but is more than willing to like, like this morning before he caught his plane to England, um, he helped me unload a hundred packages that we got from Amazon that we were sorting for all the different teachers and the resources. And we woke up like at 5.30 in the morning, we were done by seven, right? And like, those are those pieces that like, mm -hmm. cause he knows that if, you know, if he's not there to help me, I'm doing dealing with that all by myself. And it's just, it's the reminder that I don't do this work alone. And while they're not employees of the school, they're, they're on my team. Like they are yeah. team Natalie and they show up for me in my corner as well as like, when I just want to go and have fun, right? Go to, we, well, I love to camp. I'm a camper. So that's another form of self-care. Like I'm very good at disappearing for a weekend, turning off the phone and just having fun with my family, right? I also love to watch movies. So whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed and stressed, I like to go eat popcorn <laughs> from the movie theater. And I actually <laughs> bought a popcorn machine for my birthday. So it's like a little one, but I tell my husband one day I'll upgrade to like the bigger one, but I have a little popcorn where I'm feeling overwhelmed and stressed. I go and eat some popcorn. Um, and I also journal. I, uh, I love mm -hmm. to write. Um, and I was recently inspired to buy one of those like five years in one journal where oh. you can write yeah, like you can write, they'll have like, for example, it's blank, it's just be like two, 20, and then you put in 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, etc. And you just write on January 1st, what you did for that day. And every day, you'll have like, you just write, right, just five sentences, it's not that much space, but you'll have four entries for January 1st, 2023, 2024, 25. And you can see that mm -hmm. day over a five year span. And I was like, Oh, that's so fascinating, right? Because mm -hmm. When I think of the generations to come after mm -hmm. I'm old and I don't remember all these moments, like I can mm -hmm. look back to that or I can share that with my children and they can share that with their children. So really thinking about like, how do we create space for that um, communication to exist right across families mm -hmm. and so cross generations. And so I've been, yeah, I'm a journaler. So I like to write things down and just kind of 
um, reflect on, you know, how did I show up today? Who did I support today? Where's an area of growth for myself? Um, I'm very good at like just being introspective and recognizing that I'm human too, extending grace to myself, but also acknowledging like I make mistakes. Sometimes I harm people and I got to repair that harm and I have to be able to, and it might not be intentional, right? I don't think I ever wake up intentionally trying to hurt people, but as a leader, sometimes we make really tough decisions and yeah. not everyone understands or has the insights that we do or under, has access or is privy to all the information. And therefore it's just the impact that's felt. And so really thinking through how do I, how do I continue to reflect and stay grounded in my values? Because we know that in these roles, you have to negotiate so much. And mm-hmm. I try my best uh, to, to be and act mm-hmm. on integrity as much as I can and uh, hold on to that as best as I can. And sometimes, again, like there's impacts that are felt. And so how do I create space for that healing to happen or that harm to be repaired? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just I think that's, again, going back to my self-care, that really is one of the ways that I do that is just writing. I write a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. My goodness. I mean, you just gave us like a lot of ideas when it comes <laughs> to, you know, just self-care and some of the things that, you know, because oftentimes like self-care becomes this like, I don't know, like this beautiful like marketed wish list of like how you're supposed to take care of yourself but even like you said like sometimes like disconnecting while you're camping is really like being intentional with taking care of yourselves and your needs or going to the movies and eating popcorn like I can't remember the last time I've been to the movies but like yeah the popcorn really does like (laughs) taste different when you're well at the Mm -hmm. movie theater but also when you're watching a movie and so I I thank you for sharing all that because I think it's going to be useful for so many of our listeners to really think of different ways um, to engage in self-care but I want to be mindful of time and and wrap this up a little bit but the questions that we ask all of our guests is um telling us a little bit more about a song that gets you up the hill um you know Christina and I worked at a school we had to get up a hill when we were administrators to get to the campus and oftentimes we needed to tune into a specific song or type of music to like get us up there get us to show up for the day get us motivated or you know sometimes needing to like pep us up to how do you say that yeah like to give us that pep talk almost so um what's that song that gets you up the hill or throughout the day yeah um the first song that comes to my mind is called return of the mac and i just love it (laughs) (laughs) yes i I listened to it on the way to the interview i remember i like played it on repeat the whole way there just to get my vibes going Mm -hmm. because whether i'm happy whether i'm sad if i just put that song on it just makes me feel really good inside and really positive right takes me to a very positive place in my childhood and i just love that song and those memories that come back um so that's my song for me and i think um it's important for everyone to definitely have a go-to song in addition to go to support people that will help guide you along the way and then I also think like one thing that I I'm learning through the support of my mentors is like continuing continuously giving myself grace Mm. and recognizing that like I'm growing each year with new information and like it's okay it's you're gonna have hard days but guess what you can do hard things and I keep reminding myself uh, whether I'm listening to the songs that make me feel happy or like just surrounding myself with people that pour into me that like in this journey like it's gonna be okay at the yeah. end of the day as long as kids are safe and they're in the building everything else we can figure out together um just hold on to that vision of like 
like kids are safe and they're in the building and they're okay and everything else like we can figure out we can problem solve we can troubleshoot we can reallocate resources whatever we need to because mm-hmm. you know those days are going to come mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that well thank you so much thank you it's like for your time for sharing your story I'm sure that there's so much that our listeners are going to take away from this. And I'm really excited to see, you know, the, your, your school grow and just all the amazing things. Um, so tell like, and also the fact that like on top of running a boarding school, you're also a wellness coach, you, you know, just bought a house, you're newlywed, all these things. And so, um, is there somewhere that our listeners can learn more about you or where should they follow you or your school just so that they can also learn more about you and all your work? Yes. Yeah, so you can find me on several, well, all on Instagram, but the one of the uh, accounts is principal underscore Dr. Mejia. And that's where I document our school and all the things that we're doing uh, to build the school and the partnerships that we have. So you can definitely go there. And then I have my own um, connect ed underscore coach coaching underscore consulting and you can see all the different work that I do um, through my DEI uh, just commitments and then I have another account called uh, La Doctora Mejia and that's where I talk a lot about boundaries, cultura, understanding uh, what it means to be a woman of color and how we lead and how we Mm -hmm. take up space in the world. Um, So I have three different accounts because I think I really tried to try to create a uh huh, like a target for a specific audience <laughs> yeah. because there's days where I'm like, I really want to talk about this and how I navigate this as a woman and, and within my culture. And then there's spaces where I'm like, I can give you some frameworks, I can give you some literature, and like, let me give you the research to support this strategy, right? And then I just, I love my children. Um, and I know that I'm privileged to leave, and I know parents love to see their kids doing great things. So yeah. I wanted to document the, you know, the history that we're making as mm-hmm. we create the first public boarding school in the state of California. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Go follow all of the accounts to see um, what Dr. Mejia is doing. And again, thank you for your time. We look forward to staying connected. All right. Thank you. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Alina Christina. Check out our content and engage in a conversation with us through the comments or DMs. Also, please help us grow and share this with your friends, colleagues, as well as post on your social media. We look forward to next time. Take it easy.